You're listening to an adult Sunday school class at Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. We come to questions 89 and 90, and we are, uh, if you turn there in your catechism, um, we're, we're answering these, the question, or a series of questions that began last time with 88. What are the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption? What are those normal ways that Christ communicates salvation to us, the benefits of them? And, um, and the, the answer is the word sacraments and prayer. And so Pastor Wright talked about that and why that's really a, a whole philosophy of ministry in that question. This is what we are committed to as the church, the ordinary means, ministry, words, sacraments, prayer. And so we come now to uh, the next sections, which are looking at, today we're looking at the word, and then we'll look over a couple of weeks of sacraments, and then the final section of the catechism is on prayer. So these three, um, we often will call the means of grace. These are the ordinary and outward means whereby Christ, God communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Christ communicates to us these benefits. And so we're looking at the word. I want to just uh, mention a couple of resources to you um, as, we, as we get started here. And the first one is, uh, if you're around me very long, you know I've read a lot of Michael Horton and appreciate Michael Horton a lot. Uh, this is a book called A Better Way, Rediscovering the Drama of God-Centered Worship. This has, I think, the best three or four chapters on the ministry of the word and preaching that I've read. And it is an invaluable book for understanding what worship is, corporate worship, the importance of it. Uh, this is a book from, you know, I don't know, 20 years old or so. And uh, it's very, very helpful. So I highly recommend Horton's book. And then a more recent book by David Strain called Expository Preaching in this series called The Blessings of the Faith. It's a short little book and it's designed for church members to think about, okay, what do I expect when I'm coming in for preaching uh, to hear God's word preached? I have a couple uh, of friends I've been talking, I've talked to over the last couple months and various churches and they're they're looking for pastors at their churches and um, when you are looking for a senior pastor in the PCA you establish a pulpit committee made up of the congregation and so it's not like the session does this work or anything it's made up of members of the congregation yes you usually have some elders and some deacons but you have members of the congregation as well and I was talking to them how's the process going and they said well one of the things that's actually most difficult is having the congregation understanding what good preaching is. Uh, As we have members on the pulpit search committee, the members of the church actually haven't understood what preaching is. Yes, we hear it every week, but they haven't thought deeply about what should preaching be. And so they've spent a lot of time in their churches uh, helping church members understand what good preaching is. So this is a great place to start this book, little book by David Strain, to think through what is preaching. Expository preaching is what we often call it in our tradition, because we're expositing the Word of God. We're expositing what is already there, and we're preaching it uh, to be exposed for all to see. So those are two good resources on, um, on the Word, and particularly preaching, as we look at our questions today. Um, any, any comments on those, uh, those resources? Okay. Well, let's go to the text of our catechism today, which are questions 89 and 90. I'm just going to read both of them um, right here off the bat, and we'll get them out in front of us, and then we'll backtrack and work through them. So question 89 is this. How is the word made effectual to salvation? 
The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And then we come to question 90. How is the word to be read and heard that it may, be, that it may become effectual to salvation? So we, we've heard the word, reading and preaching is important. So how do we effectively read and preach or read and hear is question 90. That the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereunto with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Receive it with faith and love. Lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. All right, so we've got it out on the table here, and we're going to backtrack, and we're really, um, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Let's work through a couple of uh, key scripture passages that speak to the importance of the word of God for God's people. So we have Hebrews 4.12, which is um, a classic text that I'm sure you are aware of. Speaking of the power of the word, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God's word is active, and here it's kind of personifying the word of God because, we'll see in a moment, word and spirit go together. God's word and God's spirit go together. It is the spirit who makes the reading and the preaching of the word effective. So here, these two are put together in this statement in Hebrews 4. The word of God by the spirit is living inactive. It's sharper. It is doing something among God's people whenever it's read. And in fact, not just among God's people, everybody who's reading God's word. It's either showing them the gospel and leading them great more unto salvation, or it is actually condemning those who do not turn to Christ who read God's word. So it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It has this dual purpose in it. The law and the gospel, these two words contained within the word of God, it is active in all people who read it because God's spirit is working through the word. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> For the word of the cross, now he's, he's speaking here now, as we'll see in context, of preaching, of the preached word of God, the public authoritative proclamation. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the word of God is powerful. It is doing something to those who are called, to those who are God's people. It is alive. It is active, particularly here in the preached word. And then we'll read uh, Hebrew, Romans 10 here. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Quote from Joel. And then Paul goes on commenting on this. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The necessity of preaching so that people would hear and believe 
and trust in Christ. This is showing us the, 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 the central way God uses his word, the most important way God uses his word in the lives of sinners to convert them and then of his believers to build them up in holiness. It's the preached word of God. Now, I have a question, and this arises from a conversation with Nate this week, um, and he's laughing because he knows where we're going because he asked me this question this week, um, and I would love to hear your responses. Is it okay for a preacher to stand up using a sermon that was generated mostly, you know, with his own work on top of it to make sure it's accurate and everything, sermon generated mostly through artificial intelligence? If he stands up with chat GTP, GPT, I don't know, I don't even, I've never used it, I don't know. This, whatever artificial intelligence stands up, preaches a sermon, is that the preaching of God's word? What, is there anything wrong with that? It saves a lot of work for the preacher. The preacher can have more time to do other things. Feeding that into a bottle and then asking it questions and it's spitting out something intelligible according to whatever corporal, whatever mm-hmm. books you put right. in there. Like all Calvin sermons, throw them in there, not asking theological questions. Right. And, and this is this is technologically feasible. That's right. They're talking about they're talking about using this and having it be a benefit, or even talking about having congregants ask these things questions based upon the desired uh, doctrinal foundations. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know what I, I don't quite know what I think about it. But in other ways, how is that much different than Google search, asking a question and re- responding? To okay. Just looking to a book and looking for a specific chapter. Mm-hmm. Someone, a person organizing information. Yeah. Artificial intelligence organizing. Right. And so we're thinking there of preaching as information, kind of. So thinking of it in that terms. Did you generate these notes this morning? Did I generate these notes this morning? No, I did not, and I never have, and I never will um, for many reasons. One, I don't even know chat GTP or PT or what. I don't know how it's called. I don't even know what it's called. I do have a comment. Yes. I, I would not necessarily come to you for personal guidance and advice if I didn't feel that you had wrestled yeah. The word and share with us where you have landed mm-hmm. with the message. So you used a word there, wrestling with God's word. And I think that's a really good word to use here. That a sermon is the result of wrestling with God's word. It's not the result of merely organizing information. It's a result of wrestling with God's word that's doing work upon the preacher, but God's word is a living and active. It's not just merely an information dump. The sermon is not merely a lecture. The sermon is actually God doing something through this folly, you know, as Paul said, this folly of what we preach, this method that seems just crazy to the world. God is doing something. He's promised to do something through this method, wrestling with the word and then proclaiming the word for God's people, knowing a people, knowing a context, knowing who they are, what's going on in their lives. God works powerfully through that. 
And it's different from a lecture. It's different from, yeah, maybe there are college courses that no longer professors will need to do any work for because they can have their artificial intelligence prepare it for them. Maybe um, if we think college courses is only about information dump, now I think education is a lot more than information dump. But what is what is the world? Is Are we merely robots who are, are thinking through information, receiving information, and then spitting out information? Or is there something more going on? And I think God's word tells us there's something deeply going on at the core of our being when we hear God's word. It is the spirit at work upon our hearts. And it's not something that is to be generated by a computer or somebody that's that's merely collating information and putting it together in an organized way. Um, yeah, Jim. I was just saying, I think you answered the question by referencing from the beginning your source materials. You that's right. You wouldn't have those source materials and the necessity of understanding it if all you had was AI to go to as your first call. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that it explains the necessary the purpose behind the work of the Holy Spirit with the Word. And the yeah, word that's right. AI is nothing more than a teacher. Right. Perhaps, <clears> artificial <throat> at best. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, Jim and Mary Alice, or sorry, John and Mary Alice. Well, I think we're also saying that we can hire an actor by mm-hmm. doing one of Colin's sermons right. and have him get up there and preach, mm-hmm. uh, preach the sermon. And it might sound really, really nice, mm-hmm. but you're saying that the importance of the preacher himself understanding and and, work, and, and saying something from the heart, saying something that they believe, mm-hmm. versus just saying something... Yeah. That's right, and I think that's right. But then I don't, I don't want to avoid the error too, though, of thinking now it depends upon the holiness of the preacher, but because God uses very fallible people to proclaim His word, and so it's not that you have to have a perfect preacher either. Um, so. I want to, us to avoid that error as well. Um, but yes, you're right. The, the, I think it requires the wrestling with what God's word says and God's spirit working upon that man before he steps into the pulpit to proclaim God's word. Nate, do you want to um, add any comments here? Uh, I mean, not really. I, I agree with not necessarily the fact that you but, no, just <laughs> it can be a helpful tool in order to grow in your ability to figure out how to communicate in a simple way, mm-hmm. uh, in a simple and clear way. Mm-hmm. It isn't something that a lot of pastors, myself, right. necessarily are good at. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it can be a helpful tool right. Right. Uh, to say, okay, how exactly do I describe perspicuity to someone? Mm-hmm. Throw that into chat GPT and you get a pretty impressive answer. Right, right. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it can be a helpful tool, but cite it. Mm-hmm. You can use it mm-hmm. to cite yep. it. Yep, yep. Mary Alice, I'm sorry, I skipped over you. I think in the scripture it says very plainly that in the end times there will be very many cunning inventions mm-hmm. that would pull the very were not for the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, being old girl, since the advent of the television, we have seen machines influence our conduct, our social relationships, our culture, what is acceptable, and not one itty teeny tiny bit of it has been helpful. <coughs> you can grind out numbers on a computer. You can have 
But I'm saying as an answer to your question, may God forbid the day when his men who've been called to the pastorate go to artificial intelligence. Artificial, let's highlight that word, intelligence <laughs> to crank out their sermons or to gather their information. Mm -hmm. I just hope God forbids that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, no, the, I, I I posit this because I want us to think through this critically. And I think, Mary Alice, your point is, especially with technology, we need to think through our use of technology. It's affecting us far more than we realize or think. Yeah. So just to look at this from a slightly different angle and kind of straddle the gap of what you've brought up so far. What if you are the pastor who's preparing for your sermon? Instead of turning to chat GPT and relying on the depths of wisdom of neural networks and dendrograms and all that, you turn to Jonathan Edwards and say, I didn't have time this week to prepare a sermon. <coughs> right. But uh, I do have this one comment here from Jonathan Edwards on sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I'm right. Right. Absolutely. Where does that fall? <coughs> What's been done? Yeah, no, and there's a long tradition of reading sermons um, in, in the pulpit. So when a pastor um, is unavailable or providentially hindered or not able to prepare a sermon, there's a long tradition of reading other sermons. But you always stand up and say, this is Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermon. This is somebody else's sermon that I'm reading for you today. And um, I, I'm not sure it's ever been done at Redeemer before um, because there's certainly major downsides to it. Um, but there's upsides if there's no other option before you. Um, so I, I think that's entirely appropriate as long as you're making it known. And this is a man who is a preacher who's prepared the sermon and you're delivering it um, on his behalf. So anyway, lots of things to think through. Let's, let's, let's tether our discussion a little bit more. I, I know I took us to left field, but that's to help us think through what is preaching? Why are, we, why are we here? Why do we come to hear God's word preached? And so let's tether ourselves to the questions a little bit more uh, from here. Uh, and we'll go back to question 89. And the first thing we see here is the power of God's word, right? God, by his word, had both... Um, affects creation and redemption through his word. Think of Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It was God's word that brought about the creation of the cosmos. And we likewise see, as we, we read in 1 Corinthians 1, it is God's word, the power of God's word that recreates and gives us new hearts, and gives us faith to trust in Christ. So it's the same word that creates, is the same word that redeems us. God's word is powerful. And many Psalms speak of the power of God's word, what it does, how extraordinarily uh, powerful beyond our comprehension the mere word of God is. And we also see here, the beginning of the question, the spirit of God does this. It's the spirit of God. Um, it is not the word uh, by itself, but it is always the spirit of God. And, and through scripture, we see word and spirit all over the place. And we see it here through uh, our, our confessional documents, word and spirit, because it is the spirit who's doing these things through the word, this objective proclamation of what is true, what Christ has done. The spirit uses that even to create faith in our hearts to regenerate us and to draw us to Christ. And I want us to, to look for a moment, what does it say God's word does? So we see reading and preaching. We'll come back to that in a minute. The word of God 
It's an effectual means. So it's effective. It actually brings about this effect of convincing and converting sinners. So conversion. This is the result of God's word. It's not the result of, of human engineering. It's not the result of, of you laying out the right argument in the right way. Conversion is the result of God working through his word by his spirit upon the hearts of the unregenerate to give them new hearts. It is God's word. It is powerful. It brings the, death to, the dead to life. So first we see that it's talking about conversion. It is God's word that does that. And then second, of building them. So who's the them? It's these converted sinners, building these converted sinners up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. So it's that word salvation again that we sometimes get thrown up, uh, thrown up, thrown off with. Um, word salvation doesn't merely refer to a past event. This salvation is past, present, and future, the different aspects of our salvation. So we're building, being built up unto salvation. We're growing into salvation, our sanctification. Yes, we're saved in the past, but here it's using this ongoing present and future-oriented salvation where God's word is building us up into the image of Christ, is building us up into sanctification as we're growing into salvation. It is God's word that does that. We are discipled by God's word. Now, he uses means and people, and other things, and the reading, and the preaching of God's word, but we are discipled by God's word. It is, that is what disciplines us. That's what grows us in godliness and holiness. It is the word of God. It's not just information. It's not dumping information, but he's using this to pierce bone and marrow to make us more like Christ. So these two particular aspects, but really are speaking of the entirety of the Christian life. Conversion, giving us faith and growing us up into Christ. It is God's word that has the power to do these things. So the power of God's word. So, I mean, barely we're scratching the surface here and I do have to finish five minutes early because we were gonna pray for another church plant. Um, so just a reminder for you and me to know where we are. But we'll pause on this, the power of God's word um, before we move on to preaching and, and other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I was convicted that I can't just bring my children to church without praying for the work of the Spirit in them. Otherwise, I'm just treating them right. like a magic charm. That's right. It's going to do something all by itself. Mm-hmm. And I think tying that to the AI, if you get an AI-generated sermon, there's no reliance on the Spirit of God That's right. in that process. That's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Very good. Word and spirit. Very important. Okay, let's move to uh, this this next element. Oh, here's the first Corinthians. Um, Let's move to this next piece, um, the primacy of preaching. And this is interesting, and this really, I think, flies in the face of modern-day evangelicalism, where Christianity is often considered a, a very individualized thing, my faith, my Christianity, my trust in Jesus. But it's interesting how the confession, the catechism here says, Um, The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching. They're not here undermining the reading of the Word, the private reading of the Word. I think, though, in their minds, they they actually had public reading of the words um, at the forefront of their mind. But I think it's okay to apply this to private reading, to family reading, all kinds of reading of the Word. But there's primacy here of preaching, especially the preaching. Preaching is a particular and important function that God is doing in the life of believers, or God is operating in the life of believers to bring about sanctification in our lives. 
Um, let's see. So a couple passages here. Um, I'm going to um, not read them again. I've read most of them already. But it's interesting how we see preaching is particularly important for us. God's word. I, I will, I take that back. I will read Romans 10 again. Um, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And so, but it, then it kind of traces this logical, this logical step backward. How do you call on the name of the Lord unless you believe in him? Okay, so then how do you believe, though, unless you've heard? And then how do you hear without God's word being preached? It's interesting. It doesn't say, how do you, how do you believe unless you have a Bible study? How do you believe unless a friend shares the gospel with you? How do you believe unless you've heard God's word preached? And this preaching in the New Testament, there's a couple words in Greek that are, that use, uh, that are translated preached, um, and they have different connotations, but one of them is the word to gospelize. It's the word gospel, but it's verbalized and turned into a verb. It's to gospelize, to proclaim the gospel, uh, is one of the words often translated preaching. Um, I was going somewhere with that. Where was I going? Primacy of preaching. Yeah, so, so the gospel comes into our hearts, comes into our lives, and the New Testament says it's gospelized by the public ministry of the word. It's gospelized by someone ordained to do this role, this, this task in your life. There's a preacher who God has put in your life to proclaim that which is true, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. This is something that comes outside of you to you from, yes, a fallible man who's preaching the objective truth of God. And it's somebody who stands up there in the world's eyes, it's folly, it's foolish. Why do we come to listen to somebody talk for 30 minutes on a Sunday? And maybe if you're really spiritual, you'll come Sunday night and hear 30 more minutes. Why do we do this? That was a joke about being really spiritual on Sunday night. Everybody should come Sunday night. Why do we do this? It's foolish because it's not merely an information dump. We're coming to be worked on by God's spirit. We're coming to submit to the ultimate authority, the king of heaven and earth, who reveals himself through his word and proclaims to us, yes, you are a sinner who deserves death, but I've come to rescue you. We need to remember that week in and week out because too quickly we flip the switch and think, oh, I'm somebody, I'm something. I'm decent. I'm better than these other guys. I can earn something before God's throne. We need that reminder week in and week out. We are condemned by our sin. We are saved by the grace of an almighty God. The objective word proclaimed, God uses that subjectively in us to bring about faith. And it is, it's interesting how God's word goes back to preaching over and over and over. And when you think of church history, Preaching was the only way that Christians could ever hear the Bible until about 500 years ago. For the first 1,500 years of the church, and then for thousands of years before that, the, the Old Testament believers, they didn't have copies of God's Word available to them. Most people couldn't even read. And the copies of God were, God's Word were incredibly uh, expensive, even if you could. And so you would hear God's Word how? By going to church. You came to hear God's Word read and expounded the public gathering of God's people. And yes, technology is wonderful. The, the printing press is amazing. There's so many benefits that have come from that, but it's also, I believe, cheapened our view of God's word. And we think we have 100 copies on our shelves at home that aren't touched. We read it on our phone instead. I mean, I do, I'm guilty. Um, and we now cheapen God's word to pixels on a screen. 
instead of this is what God uses in my life. Whenever I sit and open my Bible and read, I should be expectant that God is at work here in this moment, here now, and particularly when we gather together. God is working in that moment. We need to come expectant and ready for God's active work in our lives. Um, all right, I'm, I'm preaching now. Um, and there's a difference. So this is a little tangent here. There's a difference between teaching and preaching. And this gets, back, gets us back to thinking of preaching as, as you know, merely information or a lecture, conveyance of information. And in the Reformed world, I think we often end up in that direction where we want to learn something. And we walk away, oh, I learned something today. And yes, learning is great from a sermon. Um, I'm all for that. But here's my way of distinguishing preaching and teaching. And I've talked to a lot of people over the years about this, and every, nobody said that's wrong. So I'm going to say it today. Um, Preaching, no, I'll start with teaching. Teaching is talking about God, right? We're talking about God. I'm telling you about God. We're, we're learning together about God. That's teaching, talking about God. But preaching is talking for God. Preaching is talking for God. And the second Helvetic confession would actually even go so far to say the preached word of God is the word of God. And so far as it's accurate in representing God's word, all that's all those caveats. But it is speaking for God. This is an authoritative proclamation of what God says. And that's what we have to be careful in preaching. We can't just say whatever's on our mind as a preacher. We have to say what God says, what God's word says. We come back to God's word. That's why we believe preaching should be expository. We're expositing what is in the written word for us all to understand and grow in godliness and holiness. So um, you, if you have issues with that, you know, we can talk later. Um, maybe John has an issue and we'll talk now. Um, one of the things that I was thinking is, if, I, if I'm reading myself, I'm just reading the Bible myself, I'll often focus on the portions of Scripture, unless I'm intentional, that I just like the best. Right, right. Or, or not always know how to interpret it. Mm-hmm. And I think even if I look at the news, if I just kind of surf the web for the news, mm-hmm. it's very, very different than right. reading off a specific <clears throat> newspaper. Right. Curated, yeah. thought out, laid out things for me that are relevant to me mm-hmm. or they're relevant to everyone. And I think mm-hmm. that's also a significant difference. That's right. Of preaching versus just personal. That's right. Exactly. Something. Exactly. That's right. How many, or would you say there's other elements to preaching that have to be part of that picture? So we have like pastors on the radio and we have um, people who be on the sidewalk preaching the word of God. So Yeah, so what's the relationship between church and preaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, we have we have radio preaching, we have podcasts, we have all this kind of stuff. Um, and I think the tendency is, well, hey, people think, hey, I'm, I'm listening to preaching um, while I'm riding my bike on Sunday morning, um, and so I don't need to go to church. Um, but preaching is connected to the gathering of the saints. And we see this in Acts 2, I think 42, and um, various places where we see preaching as a part of what, what establishes us as God's people. And it, it allows us to, com- to commune with one another as we're all growing under the same preaching together. And so it's, I think, vital for the Christian to be in a gathering, in a fellowship, members accountable to this fellowship, where they're together growing in God's, in, in holiness together under God's word. Um, and so, yeah, these other things are good. Um, I'm glad that people put their sermons online. I, I listen to online sermons regularly, and they're edifying. Praise God. 
But we need to be careful. That's not where we're getting our, our primary, um, uh, uh, th- that's not the primary way God has led for, or God has designed for me to be sanctified. It is here, as a member of Redeemer Church, here, um, under the preached word here, where I'm to grow in godliness and holiness. And so we need to be careful to, in our mind, to keep the primacy of the local community. Even if, you know, right, when, when I'm, you know, there's, you can go online and find almost anybody online who's a better preacher than I am. But that doesn't mean that when I'm called upon to preach here, that we can't all grow under even less than ideal preaching when I'm preaching. Here's an example of that. Recently, I, was, um, I was, uh, went to a worship service, not here at Redeemer, and I thought the preaching was really, really bad, frankly. Um, and I made a snide comment to a friend uh, afterwards. And uh, he looked at me and goes, you know, actually, I was really convicted by that sermon. It was really encouraging to me. I said, wow, I need to listen to question 90 uh, that we're about to get to because I came in with pride and arrogance in that sermon. Um, Because no matter how poor I thought that sermon was, the Lord still has something for me in that sermon. Um, And I took your your answer, the the answer to that question and went a a way you maybe didn't intend. Um, But there we go. Any any follow-up on that? Mm-hmm. Would you say that you are speaking about the church? That's right. That's right. Yes, that's good. Life, yeah. Like I, you know, we would call it all the same thing. Like right, right. But like, you would make sure to make a distinction. I would. I would say preaching here is preaching in the local church context. Okay. So, it's yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying. No, no, no. I think it is important to say. You're right. Because I. So many people that feel it's equal, right? Right, right. That's right. It's, yeah, it's not. Um, it's not the same as listening to a sermon while you're driving down the road, which is great and edifying. Praise God that we can do that. But that's not what the preaching here, the catechism and scripture speak of. The preaching is there in the gathered assembly of God's people. Rob? Right, so home church, home church movement. There's nothing wrong with home churches because uh, the early church did that because they couldn't gather anywhere else. Now to say we have to gather in home churches, I think that's um, not right. And the problem is if you have these little micro congregations, you don't have, I think the training that's necessary to enable somebody to effectively exposit God's word, not effectively, to accurately and faithfully exposit God's word. So I think we need to make sure we have training of our ministers. Yeah, yeah. Right. But there's like over all of that. That's right. Yes, there was oversight over. They weren't autonomous so churches. There was. It seems like there's less accountability in churches. Right. Yeah, you just have to be careful. Let's look at this final point in the four minutes I have. Um, receiving the word. How do we receive God's word? And this is question 90. I'm going to read it again. That the word of God may be effectual to salvation. We must attend thereunto with diligence. So we're called upon to receive this in a particular way. We are to attend to it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. We're to receive it with faith and love, and we're to lay it up in our hearts and to practice it in our lives. 
So, um, to Melissa's point earlier, the word does not operate ex opere operato. The word does not operate by the working, it is worked. By the doing, it is done. It is not just because there's, there's words spoken out among a, a, a gathering of God's people, God is actually doing something. The, the Spirit is working, and we are also called to respond. We are called upon to attend to it with diligence. <coughs> Excuse me, an intentional effort to pay attention. We're, we're not trained to, to listen for a 40-minute sermon in our day and age, but to attend to it with diligence. We're to train ourselves, to pay attention, to listen, to follow along, to engage with. Maybe that means you write notes. Some of us, maybe it means we don't write notes and we have to look and listen, right? Know yourself. Be diligent as it's being preached, but also come in prepared. We publish our sermons three weeks in advance, or the sermon text, three weeks in advance. And so you know when you walk in today, you know what's coming. And so it is good to fill your mind with God's word even before you hear it preached so you can be meditating on it, thinking of, of it, and be ready to receive it. So be prepared for it. No, they're published on the bulletin, the back of the bulletin every week. It says upcoming sermon texts, and it has the next week and the week after. No, yeah, the, that's right. The references that will be preached, yeah, are in the bulletin every week. Sorry, thank you. Um, and uh, so I encourage you, make use of that. And then on Friday, we send out the bulletin, the whole bulletin, so you can be uh, reading through the Psalms that we're going to be singing and the Psalms or, and the hymns we're going to be singing and the other passages we'll be reading so you can read through it and be prepared and ready. Be physically um, rested as much as possible. Now, some of this is difficult with children and you go through seasons where you can do more or less of this, but as much as is possible, be ready, be rested, be, be ready to listen. Um, and then we listen with prayer. We receive it with prayer. Ask for the Lord to speak and work. Um, and through prayer itself, the Lord is tilling the soil of our hearts. So receive it with prayer. Say, Lord, help me understand. Lord, is this me? Lord, does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? Yes, it does apply to you. How? How can I understand this? How can I apply it? <coughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, to receive it with faith and love. Continue trusting the Lord as he speaks his word of promise over us. Loving the Lord all the more and letting our love grow out towards other, others. And we're to lay it upon our heart to meditate upon it. Yes, even as that's a quote from Psalm 119, to memorize God's word. Um, this is a way that God uses to infiltrate our hearts with the gospel. And then we practice it, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. We don't, it doesn't stop when we listen to it. It changes our lives and calls us to live differently. So these are, um, very quickly, we rush through these. Um, we have 15 seconds for a comment here. John, come on up. <clears throat> Any comments here? But we are to diligently attend to the preaching. It's not just something we lackadaisically walk into and, oh, if I hear a little bit of it, it'll be great and fine. We are to come diligently ready to listen. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.com.